Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Uh Uh-huh. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com where you'll find the audio-only live stream and uh, links to all our social media sites and so much more. All of it uh, right there. And, of course, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Hello and good morning. Welcome to the program. Uh, We have got a... A whiz-bang show lined up for you today. Uh, That's right. I said it. Whiz-bang. It's going to be a fun show. Fun fun stuff to to schlup around and talk about today. Uh, It is Tuesday, which is our normal day for a couple of our reoccurring guests, including Brad Keithley, uh, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be joining us today for the weekly top three which uh, today include uh, those top three topics include uh, a discussion on uh, oil prices and how they're going to affect the state, uh, the uh, permanent fund dividend and what the benefit is, while some people are still trying to discount the impact of that. And then finally, some of the half plans that uh, people have been trying to put forward on the uh, uh, on the budget and the dividend and things like that, including uh, Maxine Dibbert uh, in Fairbanks. Uh, Brad's got some issues. He's got some issues there. He's going to be talking with us about that here in just a wee bit. And uh, we'll be diving into that, all of it, in our one. Hour two of the big radio broadcast this morning, and we are going to be talking with uh, Chris Story, the man from Homer, who comes in and gives us a weekly life coaching lesson as uh, and and get, get an uplift. And uh, he is the guru of positivity. That's, uh, that's what I'm saying right now. He is the guru of positivity, and we're going to talk with him here in just a little bit. Uh, and get uh, and get some get some uplift, some uplifting. It's some uplifting stuff from Chris Story. All of it this morning. So um, <clears throat> today's a little better than yesterday. Today is not Monday, which is uh, that always makes it a plus. Monday has a tendency sometimes to kick you right in the shorts, and uh, I'm glad we're I'm glad we're here and ready to dive into it. Are you uh, are you ready to take on a few of the headlines from around the state? Um, I, uh, I've got, I've got, I've, I have to talk to you about some stuff. Um, there are some stories in here this morning that just, um, the more I read them, the more my head just wanted to explode. Um, because I realized as I was looking at these stories, especially through the lens of the trying to attempting to. Attempting to take on the mindset of the average Alaskan who is not politically plugged in, who is not um, into politics, who is not 
you know, following the every maneuver of the uh, <clears throat> different political campaigns and everything else, I came to realize that um, <laughs> I came to realize that the average the average person is probably just at this point lost and it's like whatever. I just don't. I mean, I can understand some of the issues that we're dealing with right now. As I look at this, um, and I want to talk about uh, a couple of these things, the convention, the constitutional convention question, I want to talk about that, and this complaint against the Dunleavy campaign, um, and uh, that Iris Samuels, Iris Samuels wrote a piece about this, and I was going to cover this yesterday, and I didn't get into it, uh, but on Friday, she wrote a piece about this, and uh, I have, I have, um, questions and comments on it. Uh, so we're going to we're going to dive into some of that. But first things first, we'll get kind of an update from the trail. Um, what's happening out there? Uh, Congresswoman um, Mary Poltola is in the honeymoon phase uh, in Washington, D.C. And in fact, she's already putting together some new bills. Uh, by the way, I don't know if anybody else saw this, but she got a D rating from the NRA, which never spells anything really good for gun owners uh, in America. Um, but at the same time, she's one Congress critter out of so many. Um, while I'm concerned, I'm not uh, unduly concerned, I guess. Let's put it that way. Uh, doesn't mean that she can't uh, help, uh, you know, uh, gun grabbers go out and do their thing. But we'll see. We're, we're going to be watching closely. We'll see what happens. But anyway, meanwhile, Mary Peltola is in her honeymoon phase uh, there in Washington, D.C., and apparently the campaign trail is finally starting to heat up for the congressional race. Uh, Sarah Palin was actually spotted in the state of Alaska, um, which I think is a positive thing. She was in Fairbanks and North Pole. Uh, Baggage has been campaigning in Fairbanks and North Pole all the way down to Juneau. Uh, he was, uh, also, uh, you know, seen down there amongst the people, uh, baggage continues to pick up endorsements too, by the way, uh, from a variety of people. The latest endorsement he won was from, uh, Mike Chenault, who of course is the longtime speaker of the house down there in the Kenai Peninsula. And uh, Begich is hoping to win over some Palin supporters, according to Must Read down there. And he's got uh, Bernadette Wilson from the Americans for Prosperity Action Volunteers down there hitting the um, um, hitting hitting the streets for I guess is it for him? Yeah, for him knocking doors for Nick Begich. So I mean, they got a cute little uh, mustard's got a little story here with a picture of Bernadette in this cute little car uh, toy car thing uh, going around driving around and doing that. So um, he's gathering some real support. Now, what does that translate to when it comes to election day? I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I thought that he would be a little closer to Sarah in the um, primary uh, or in the uh, general rather than he was um, the general, the special general. The special general. Um, and so I don't know. Uh, is this going to motivate some people? I, here's the thing. This is the big question mark around this whole thing with uh, rank choice voting and all the other stuff. Was this special election result, was this enough of a wake-up call for people who didn't understand it, didn't educate themselves, or just were frustrated and were going to be voting one. I mean, is it enough to change people's mind? Is it enough to change the trajectory in Washington, D.C.? 
uh, in the fight for Washington, D.C., I guess I should say. I mean, I don't know what it would take to change the actual trajectory of Washington, D.C. One little race in Alaska is not going to do it. But as people look at this and they see the results, are they are they working smarter? Are they working harder? I mean, what 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 is where is it going to come out? Um, I know that there was a lot of call uh, at one point right after the probably that 10 days or so after the um, general election results had come out and uh, people were like, oh, yeah, well, Nick should bow out or Sarah should bow out or Nick. I mean, one of the two. And usually it was Nick because he was the one that was behind. You know, he should just bow out. And uh, the thing is, is we've got so much, so many egos in play here. And I'm not saying that he should bow out or not, but so many egos in play, the likelihood of that actually happening that are probably pretty minuscule at this point. And of course, now they've gone past the deadline. They can't bow out. Right. I mean, they're, they're going to they're going to appear on the ticket um, no matter what. But um, I just don't know. I just don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but it looks like uh, baggage continues to pick up endorsements all over the place, and so this should be a this should be an interesting this will be an interesting race if nothing else. As far as the Senate race goes, the Susan B. Anthony Pro Life America Fund has endorsed uh, Kelly Shabaka rather than uh, Lisa Murkowski. And they said, uh, you know, Chewbacca is a trailblazer who's pro-life, pro-woman leadership, uh, you know, yada, 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 bunch of stuff about how great she is uh, and basically trying to, uh, um, oh, you know, keep the Senate where it needs to be. Senator Lisa Murkowski in her spot was endorsed by the Inland Boatsman Union of the Pacific, Alaska. Uh, the IBU is the Alaska Marine Highway System workforce primarily. And she got endorsed by the Arctic Slope Regional Corporation. So, the, <laughs> I mean, I guess you have to take that for what it's worth. You have to look at, follow the money and uh, see who's endorsing who and um, make a decision from there. There's also a big, um, <clears throat> big shindig uh, in uh, next week, next Wednesday. Uh, Lauren Lehman and his wife, Carolyn, are inviting uh, folks out to uh, meet the meet some candidates, including Liz Vasquez, Mia Costello, Julie Colombo and uh, Colombe and uh, Kathy Hensley. These four ladies are going to be there for that evening from five to six thirty p.m. Um, at uh, their house. Must has got the flyer up on their website. You can go check it out there. Uh, but that's that's what's coming down. Finally, I want to get to this story. Um uh, about the uh, con- uh, Constitutional Convention, the CONCON. Advocates say a Constitutional Convention could end gridlock in Juno. Opponents say it would open a Pandora's box. This is the headline from the ADN. Now, I'm not going to go through this whole, whole story because the, the whole – I mean, this is a, this is a very long, in-depth story. Uh, I will say Sean McGuire did get – uh, you know, both sides of the story in here, although the writing style to me, and maybe it's just me and I might just be a little um, biased by it, but it appears to me that anytime they start talking about the pro con con side, it's kind of with that little knowing smirk. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. 
But we do get down to the end of the story, and you can go read this. I'll post it up in the face on the in the um, in the chat room if folks want to uh, po- folks want to uh, read this story <clears throat> because it it is interesting to read, and uh, I would I'd recommend that you do. But near the end of the story, the real meat of the story, in my mind, comes out um, under a, under the heading of special interests. Um, it says. Uh, The campaigns have started to ramp up. Money has poured into Defend Our Constitution's coffer. That is the anti-con-con group, Defend Our Constitution. Money has poured into Defend Our Constitution's coffers, and it has raised $834,000 as of September 10th. The 1630 Fund, the uh, Washington, D.C.-based nonprofit described by the New York Times as a left-leaning dark money group. When the New York Times describes a group as a left-leaning dark money group, that tells you something. They donated $500,000 to the campaign. That donation helped spark criticism that the no campaign is supported by special interests. But Bruce Patello said he won't apologize for getting donations outside as the campaign has sought to ensure it can deliver a message to all Alaskans why a convention would be a, a mistake. Also, other major donors to the no campaign, the anti-ConCon campaign, include the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Political Action Committee, $50,000. $50,000 from the American Federation of Teachers. The uh, state's largest union for public sector workers Political Action Committee donated $25,000. And the Alaska Nurses Union donated $15,000. President of the AFL-CIO Joel Hall, a member of the Defend Our Constitution's Executive Committee, said that opposition is because the labor movement sees a convention as a threat to workers' rights particularly to collective bargaining. Protect Our Rights has also raised just over $76,000 with all of it virtually going, uh, all that money coming from the Alaska Center Education Fund, which has then gone back to the fund paying for canvassing. I, It's all circular. So all this money from all these special interest groups. And then on the other hand, Convention Yes says it has raised $10,000, but it's not required to post a campaign disclosure report until October 10th. So 10,000, this is the David and Goliath, but all you have to do, if you, you know, if, if you don't peel through the pages and pages and pages of backstory, but you get to this part of it and all you have to do is look at who's supporting this. Well, let's see a left leaning dark money group with half a million bucks, uh, a bunch of unions, teachers unions and, and uh, government employee. They must be terrified. They must be terrified. Therefore I must be for it. That's all I could say as I look at this. I mean, you should read through the whole story because the whole story has got some fascinating insights in it. But that part of the story tells it all. Tells it all. Fascinating. Fascinating stuff. All right. um, We got to go. We're going to be back here in just a moment. Brad Keithley is going to be our guest. We're going to continue. The weekly top three kicks things off here in just a moment. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
Well, howdy, howdy, howdy. What are you guys doing? Um, the unions are freaking out because the current constitution protects their pensions, says Rob. Yeah, that's part of it. Um, all right. I'm going backwards here to see what all you guys have been talking about this morning because I have not paid attention to the chat room. I see Brad's in the in the wings here. Uh, hey, good morning, sir. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. How are you doing? Doing real good. Uh, just checking your levels to make sure everything's good. Um, I'm ready. You ready? Follow the money. Follow. Well, that's exactly what you got to do. You got to. All you have to do is look at who supports it and who's putting money into it, and that will pretty much tell you about any initiative, movement, fund, candidate. That'll tell you everything right there. Exactly. It does. It uh, does. Absolutely. All right, Brad, hold the line for you a second here. I'll be right back to you. Um, all right. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I saw my dad. Good morning, dad. Um, mm, Bert Stedman told me yesterday that the budget has grown since Walker. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Um, wild. Hopefully she will get a divorce from Washington, said Rick. Uh, Nick has been to catch can four times. Mary is uh, soliciting Alaskan artists who work on our campaign. I will sit this one out. Uh, meet and greet. Sarah's going to Washington to kick butt, not kiss butt, said Jerry. Uh, interesting. Um, Nick is not going to quit. Let's face it, we're screwed. Lisa's running a very negative campaign. They've been chipping at each other. I don't think this is exclusively a Lisa thing. Um, um, Nick is, but Palin is not. I'm going through all these stories here. Not a Nick fan, and no, he doesn't support, and no, he doesn't support each other. Quite the opposite. Spends a bulk of his time slamming the other Republican, which leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Hence, I get bad vibes when I hear his name, says Jill. Oh, my God, Jill. I mean, have you not seen Sarah Palin do exactly the same thing? I mean, it's, there's so, look, nobody's, nobody is innocent as the driven snow in this whole thing. It's uh, crazy. Um, um, let's see. Fairbanks dark, wet and 38 this morning. Woof. Um, uh, think about this. What happens to the unspent anti-con con money? If the convention is called, I, well, I, I know exactly where to go. It'll go to trying to convince Alaskans, uh, that's going on. Um, all right. Um, all right. So there we go. Okay. Um, Jill is a little salty this morning. I don't know exactly what's going on. I can't see all the comments. Apparently, I can't see some of the replies, but apparently somebody had a little salt in their coffee this morning. All right. Uh, let's uh, let's get this. Let's get this party started, shall we? Brad Keithley uh, joins us uh, this morning. Uh, all right, my friend. Oh, you're not centered. That's going to drive me crazy. Okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> hey, Brad, how you doing? I'm, I'm just going to stand over here. Oh, no, man. I'm going to lurk over here. I know. It's, I'm, uh, I'm doing fine, Michael. Man, it's, it's, it feels like a Monday a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, you're ready to dive into this thing and get it all, uh, make it all color beautiful and tell us exactly what we need to know? Well, I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to comment. How about that? All right. That's well, that's all we can ask for, Brad. That's all we can ask for. All right. Well, hold the line. We'll be right back to you here. Uh, Brad Keithley, our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We are just over a minute out 
um, um, and uh, ready to jump into this. Um, I'm always salty and I speak bluntly. So there you go, says Jill. Well, that's good. I mean, hey, speak loud and proud. Um, <clears throat> that's that's all. It's all you can do. Loud and proud. Um, and uh, and enjoy the ride. That's what it's all about. Coming up on tomorrow's program, we're going to talk with Cliff Grow uh, and Jessica Wright. That ought to be an interesting pair of conversations uh, for sure. And then on the following week, uh, following day, um, we're going to talk with Stephen Wright and Casey. Uh, I just forgot Casey's name uh, because the, the bell was ringing in my ear. Uh, Casey. I, man, that's irritating. All right. Anyway, we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. Like it, share. Like it, share. Like it, follow. Do it all. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator and around the world at MichaelDukeShow.com. Uh, Tuesdays means Brad Keithley comes in to join us, the founder and director of Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, a organization dedicated to Alaska creating a sustainable budget. I think that's pretty self-explanatory at that point. Today is the weekly top three, and uh, that is the three big stories that he believes we should be paying attention to. And uh, so today is no different. This morning, we start off with what I called the duh moment, uh, which was last week. I actually commented on this piece in the ADN talking about the impact of the PFD. And they're like, a $3,290 PFD will have a dramatic impact on the economy. But duh, what have we been saying for the last five years? You know, talking about the impact, the largest adverse or positive impact on the economy comes from the PFD. And I was just like, wow, who wrote this headline? Uh, but Brad has got some uh, other analysis of that. Good morning, Brad. How are you? Michael, I'm doing great today. How about you? I'm okay, as you can tell. I'm full of P&V, so it is what it is. Uh, so, Brad, tell me, as you look at this art, I mean, did you not, when you looked at this article, go, duh? I mean, it was, you know, the whole the headline was just like, okay, that's pretty obvious. Water's wet, the sky is blue, and the PFD will have an impact on the economy. Okay, I got it, you know. Uh, anyway, what's your what's your take on it? Well, the thing that surprised me about the article, and I and I I didn't so much go duh as I did sort of ripping down the page to see who was quoted. The thing that that, that really struck me about this article is the people who were quoted um, uh, talking about all of the positive impacts, uh, economic impacts out of the PFD. They included Bill Pop, who's the director of the Anchorage Economic Development Corp, and who's who's never been known as a as a pro PFD person. Someone who talks more about, oh, government needs this money. Government could use that money. Government would do so much good for this money. Bill Pop was quoted as, as saying positive things uh, about the PFD. Nils Andreasen, um, who's been a PFD supporter in the past, but in his role as director of the Alaska Municipal League, uh, has, has, has also uh, talked about you know, the importance of getting the money to government and how much, how much better government can do with the money. Nils is quoted as, as talking about the, the positive things that, uh, 
that the PF can do, uh, PFD can do. Brett Watson from ICER um, uh, is quoted in there as talking about the positives from the PFD. That's it, it wasn't so much the duh moment. Uh, it was my gosh. Uh, these are people who, in the in the course of the legislative session, will will often be talking about how much how important it is to, you know, how much better government can be using this money than uh, than individual Alaskans. How important here, it is to take the PFD, right? Exactly. Right. And here we have an article that has a lot of them on record talking about how much good. Uh, is is being done uh, uh, with allowing Alaskans to decide where to spend their own their own money. There's quotes in there from the director of the Pick, Click, and Give program talking about how how the how the dollars have increased uh, as a re- to Pick, Click, and Give have, have increased. There's a quote in there about the Alaska College uh, College program where you know parents can set aside money uh, tax free to uh, or tax advantage to uh, help their kids um, help their kids in college. Uh, uh, and, 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 and how, how that is increased as a result how that's benefited from the, from the increased PFD. It, so it's, there's a broad range of, of quotes and of, of, of indications and of, and of, and of comments and of conclusions about how the PFD is benefiting, benefiting a broad, uh, cross-section, uh, of Alaskans, uh, people talking about, you know, with with fuel prices high and with and with uh, inflation and with additional costs, how it's helping uh, uh, people out in the bush, out in western Alaska and in rural Alaska, prepare better, prepare uh, for the winter. It's 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 you know, I'm going to set this this article aside uh, and come back to it when we get back into the legislative session. And people are saying, oh no, but we need this money for that. We need you know, we need to cut the PFD and use that money for permanent fund earnings for for this, that, and the other thing because. There, there's we, we finally got this recognition out of out of the out of the usual suspects who, you know, who, who propose PFD cuts, push PFD cuts. We finally got this recognition out of the usual suspects of of, of, of the benefits of uh, of the PFD. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it is ironic that these are a lot of and a lot of the same group is the ones that are saying, oh, no, we should spend that. The government should spend that because they know how to do it better. And again, all this does is reinforce what you and I have been saying for the longest time, which is. This has the largest direct impact on the private economy out there. And yes, of course, duh. Um, I love how they're crowing about it. My favorite part, though, for Bill Pop, I think it was Bill Pop who said, oh, this is where the government gets it raised, too, because of all the, the taxes and the sales taxes of it. You know, and I just like, Bill, Bill, Bill. I mean, this is a guy that just, you know, never saw a government dollar he didn't want access to. Uh, and I just shake in my head because here's where it is. But, yeah, that's uh, it, it's astonishing that they the, all of a sudden it seems like they're they're singing a different tune. Well, actually, that was Nolan Clouda. I'm sorry. Of, uh, there you go. Out, out of seed, who was who? But was, it did sound like making, Bill Pop, didn't it? I mean, it really. It did, did sound like Bill Pop, but but it was it was Nolan, and and so it's it's I I think it's a you know as I say it's a it's an article I'm going to come back to a lot, sort of like I go back to the the 2017 Nat Hertz article on uh, on, on the ITEP analysis that talks about you know the the inequitable impact, the, the disproportionate impact on middle and lower income Alaska families. This is an, it's an article that's going to be a lot like that. I mean, you, you say now that, you know, we need this money for government, but look what you said back then right? Uh, when we were talking about, uh, about the positive impact uh, on the economy. So I, I, I think it's a great article. Now, compared to that, <laughs> we have Tim Bradner 
uh, on the op-ed page uh, of the ADN, uh, who's also chimed in on this. And Tim's reverted to the usual form uh, of, let's see, what's the, what's the headline of this? After the big check arrives, pondering the impact and future of the PFD. And basically, Tim goes back to the old, uh, well, government can spend it better. Yeah, we're, we're sending it out now, but we're about to hit, uh, government's about to hit hard times again. And boy, we, we should we should have uh, we should have that uh, that money in the hands of uh, have that money in the hands of uh, government instead of in the hands of Alaskans because government knows better what to do with it. There's one there's one thing even in Tim's article that I think is 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 important though, and I and I don't think this issue gets enough credit. I mean, looking at the PFD from an economic standpoint is like is, is sort of like the old you know story about everybody touching an elephant and telling a different a di- different piece of it <laughs> right, not, right. not not being able to tell it's an elephant but you know describing their own their own piece of it and and that's a, a lot of what goes on with the PFD talking about the economic impact of the PFD because there's there's really been no thorough study about how people uh, spend their PFDs but Tim has has a piece in here that I think is important my experience is if you want to get a handle on what's really going on in the economy of a of a of a of a community or the economy of a of a given region you talk to the bankers because the bankers tend to keep keep track of where the money's going and they tend to see behind the scenes you know who's successful who's getting money who's who's not getting money where how the money's shifting around and tim says uh, and tim has a piece in his piece in his uh, article that says PFDs do help a lot of people, of course. Bankers told me, again, anecdotally, because the data is private, that consumers tend to get caught up at PFD time if they are behind on payments. The same goes for medical bills. Those are good things. Well, here's the deal. Often you will find economists say they can't find an impact of the PFD. They can't find increased sales. They can't find increased employment. They can't find a, a huge bump in local community spending uh, at the time that the, that the that the PFD comes out. They find, you know, in sales taxes, you'll find a soft bump, but you won't find these big bumps. Right. And I think, and I think what Tim is is really onto it, really onto without really knowing that he's onto it, is a lot of what goes on with the PFD is catching up, catching up by paying down credit cards, catching up by paying down bank loans, catching up by coming current on mortgages and and other debts catching up on medical bills. And so what we see, what we what what people are looking for is a bump of PFD spend, a bump of spending when the PFD comes in. But what I really think we're seeing underneath all this is, is the PFD has an impact year long uh, in terms of funding credit cards, funding bank debt, funding mortgages, funding taxes, funding funding coming current on things. So a lot of some of the spending and not insignificant amount of the spending that is going on with the PFD is really funding things that have been priced right. uh, during a prior period. Well, and as, I, and as I say, you know, if you want to understand what's going on in an economy, talk to the bankers. Don't talk to the economists, talk to the bankers. Right. Um, and, and I think, I think that piece out of Tim's, uh, Tim's commentary uh, is, is adds to the thing we're talking about in the first article, which is the PFD does have a very positive impact here. And, and, and even though you can't, even though, you know, you argue you can't find it right this second, it is, it is having an economic impact in terms of making people 
whole for the for the for the expenses that they've incurred up to that point. Well, and I would, uh, you know, anecdotally, I would agree with that. I mean, for many years prior to coming down to the to the uh, Matsu here, uh, where I live now, um, that was pro- that was primarily what we used our family PFDs for. Was you know. Uh, we'd already we'd already purchased the heating fuel and now we paid it off or we put uh, you know, we I paid off the, the balloon payment on my house when I was paying my house down and doing all those other things. It was not big screen TVs and trips to Hawaii, although I'm sure some people do those things. The majority of what I was doing was getting caught up and getting ready for winter. It wasn't any kind of you know, expansive, look at what I did. I just dropped five thousand dollars on the economy. It was money that was usually already spent. And all I was doing was just paying it out. And, and we get those we get those stories because people look for economic activity at the time of the PFD. And so you look for, you know, the, the airfare PFD sales and you look for people booking, you know, flights to Hawaii or, or people booking vacations or you look for people going to buy snow machines or you look for people going to buy the big screen TVs. And so since since you're looking during that time period. That's sort of the that, that's sort of the public highlight. You know, don't go to Costco on PFD day. That's sort of the public highlight of of, of what you see when you tr- when you try to capture it in that period of time. But I think Tim and 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 knowingly or not, I think Tim's Tim's got it. I think what's going on is we're seeing this economic the economic activity that the PS, PFD is funding is going on year long. And and when you don't look when when, when you know when you're only looking for it right when the PFD comes out, when you're only looking for it during that time period, you don't see it. Right. Because right. because it's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, no, I would uh, totally agree with you. Uh, all right, Brad, give us a tease for number two and number three. Uh, we're coming up on the break here. Well, number two is oil prices. Oil prices obviously are changing. They're softening. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about why that is and, and why I'm not as concerned about it as others seem to be. Um, and then uh, uh, number three, uh, we're going to talk about uh, my my latest frustration on the campaign trail. Watching the campaign trail is is the half a plan candidates, candidates who propose a lot of spending, but but don't won't step up and talk about how they're going to pay for that spending. Yeah. All right. Um, we're going to continue here in just a moment. Brad Keithley is our guest, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. The Michael Duke Show continues. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Back with more right after this. Your mental suppository. The Michael Duke Show. Okay, Brad uh, Keithley, our guest here, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, my PFD went to pay some taxes and stock up for food in the winter. How fun is that, says Laura. Uh, I mean, that's exactly it. I mean, you know. Uh, I paid uh, I paid off uh, I paid off some uh, stuff that I've been wanting to pay off for a while and uh, put some new tires on the car and that was pretty much it. I mean, it, you know, and was able to put a little bit into the bank just in case. Uh, but heretofore, like I said earlier, uh, that for I had to laugh because that first year that we moved down here was the first year that we it was the last year that we got a full statutory PFD, but it was the first year that I was ever able to take all the PFDs and essentially just put them in the bank. Because I didn't have a bunch of, you know, heating oil and things. I mean, a bunch of utilities and, and everything else. It was, it was, it felt great. It felt great that I could, but again, I didn't go out and buy big screen TVs and go to things. I put it in the savings account. So, I mean, how, how many, how many people do that every year? 
But what does that savings account do? That savings account tends to fund you over the following year, the following uh, uh, further years, or tends to fund the, the house repair or tends to fund, fund the new car. I mean, some people talk about, some t- people talk about it going into the bank is not, not generating economic, economic activity. Again, it doesn't generate economic activity in the 10 days you know, f- that, that, that we have the Costco surge. It doesn't, it doesn't fund it in the window that people ordinarily look at. But it funds economic activity over the long term because you will then use that to fund various economic activities uh, uh, over the course of you know the, the the coming years. Putting it into a college savings account, it doesn't fund economic activity on the day, right? But it funds economic activity when your when your son or your daughter goes to college in 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 Alaska, which is what the, the savings account is for, uh, geared to. Um, uh, when your son or daughter goes back and then it, then it funds economic activity when they take that college degree or that college training um, and do something with it. So it's, it, we, we get too caught up in, I didn't see, I didn't see, you know, this giant surge and what I did was snow, mo- snow machines and, and vacations and, you know, and, and big screen TVs. Well, you're looking at the wrong time period. You're, you're, right. you're, you're, you're trying to isolate the impact of a, of a check on, you know, a three or four or five or a 10 day period, look broader, look backwards, uh, in terms of paying down debt, paying off taxes, paying down the mortgage, look forwards in terms of what happens to that savings when it, uh, when it comes out, don't, don't say it all has to be proved in, in the three or four or five day period, uh, around the time the check hits. Yeah, no, most of the people that I query, uh, and I do ask usually around dividend time, you know, just cause I'm curious, most of them use it to spend, to pay down bills, you know, pay down a, a loan or do anything, or it's a prep for winter, food, tires, furnace tune up, something like that. Um, so yeah, I don't see it as being, I guess it was the frivolousness that some of the legislators seem to treat people like, oh, they just spent it on frivolous things, whether that's accusing people in the bush of just spending it on liquor and whatever, or people, you know, people in urban areas going on vacations and, and buying big screen TVs. That's, that just seems to be, again, these people seem to be out of touch with the average Alaskan in that regard. Or, or, or it's projection of what they use their PFD on. Since most of them are in the top 20%, uh, it it is. I mean, it's found, it, 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 it tends to be treated more as found money when you get to the top 20%. Oh, well, I can stay another day or another three days during my annual trip to Maui. I mean, it's, it, as I say, this is like, this is the old story of the elephant, right? Everybody is seeing the PFD through their own perspective, but sometimes you get glimpses. And I think Tim's uh, comment about the bankers is a, is a hugely important glimpse yeah. uh, of, of what's going on in, in the broader economy. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I think that that's probably a, that's probably a, a truer, uh, snapshot of what's actually happening um, in the uh, uh, in the in the in the Alaskan economy overall. Um, no, and it would be great if we didn't hold any debt. Um, I think that's always a good thing. I have, you know, I mean, I for years have advocated and and continue to advocate for very little debt because. In economic hard times, you don't, you know, it's not a good thing. And that's why getting people this PFD and allowing them to pay that debt down faster or to take on the short-term debt that they had to take on through the pandemic or whatever, this is a good thing for them. Oh, but it's reality, Michael. I mean, we all have, we all bought our homes with uh, with home mortgages. Uh, a lot of us bought our cars with uh, uh, with car loans. It's 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 the reality of, of, of life. A lot of us, uh, 
you know, have expenses around around school when school starts, and 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 we want to get stuff for our kids, and we put it on the credit card. Around Christmas, you want to have uh, you want to have Christmas presents for the kids, and so you put it on the credit card. I mean, yeah, generally speaking, just don't take on frivolous debt, but but people do, um, and and so my, I guess my point is when you use the PFD to pay down that debt, it's not you, you can't say it's not economic activity because you can't measure it in the moment. The economic activity has occurred in the past, or if you're putting it into savings, the economic activity will put it in the will, will occur in the future. Right. You you can't say the PFD is not generating economic activity uh, uh, simply because it was it wasn't spent in the moment. Yep, absolutely. All right, Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. We're ready to jump into number two. Uh, let's uh, get back to it. Like and share, follow, uh, subscribe, ring the bell, do all the stuff. Here we go. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets, is our guest. We're talking about the weekly top three. Number two has to do with the oil prices. And, of course, we lived large this last legislative session thanks to the war in the Ukraine, uh, driving up demand and uh, and drying up supply and creating all kinds of issues. And all of a sudden, we were flush with money. Uh, and now that's changing again. Prices are getting softer and dropping, and now the panic sets in again. It was all, we don't have so much, in fact, the quote from the floor from one of the legislators, Natasha, was, uh, we have so much money, we don't know what to do with it. Uh, And now, of course, it's going to be a whole different thing. Brad, uh, oil prices in the state of Alaska. Well, well, oil oil prices certainly are softening. Uh, They're down in the they 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 were in the hundreds. They came through the nineties. We're down, uh, touching the eighties uh, uh, currently. And the futures market tells us uh, that that we're headed uh, haven't e- headed even uh, lower uh, in the months ahead. Um, and so there there is a concern out there, uh, a legitimate concern about you know what's going to happen to Alaska in terms of uh, in terms of the budget as if if oil prices continue to soften. Uh, we, I've even seen concerns about people now saying, "Oh, oil prices may go so low that that we run through all of the gates that we that got put into this budget. Uh, we won't have enough in the SBR to pay for this year's budget, and so we're going to hit the next legislative session, or we're going to hit the new year uh, potentially. Well, next legislative session hit the hit the new year with a with a deficit uh, in FY23 that we're going to have to deal with before we even start dealing with uh, uh, with FY24." I there is a reason for there is a reason for concern. There's a reason for concern both in the near, near term near term and if you look at the futures market um, into the long term. But but let me let me say that that's not a universally held concern. Um, what's driving oil prices down right now is the concern about a re- recession, a decline in demand, the fact that China is still going through occasional COVID lockdowns and still has reduced economic activity. Uh, as a as as a result of the way that they've been responding to COVID, and we are still taking oil uh, uh, out of the uh, uh, U.S. Petroleum Strategic Reserve, and I think the other countries that were aligned aligned with us on taking oil out of this out, out of their share of the strategic reserve, uh, I think that they're still doing so as well. So we're still adding additional oil to the market uh, coming out of uh, being delivered out of the uh, Petroleum Strategic Reserve. So. 
we, we are creating, I mean, that alone creates an artificial market because you're adding additional supply out of reserves uh, instead of uh, out of out of current production. Those are the reasons that prices are down. And people, um, uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, Goldman Sachs, uh, Merrill, other analysts, UBS, other analysts that look at these things um, are, are looking sort of beyond that and saying, look, if China uh, stops going through stops going through these rolling lockdowns that they've been having as a result of COVID, if they stop dealing with COVID in that fashion, or COVID finally runs its course in China as it as it seems to have in, uh, in the U.S., then Chinese demand is going to pick back up, and that has a big impact uh, on the on on global oil demand generally. Um, the recession in the U.S. may not be as bad uh, as uh, as some are as some are concerned. Um, and, uh, and so we may not have as, as deep a drop in demand as a result of that. Um, the, at some point, we're going to quit delivering oil out of the petroleum reserve. In fact, we may start buying oil back into the petroleum reserve to, to refill what's, what's been drained down. And so if you stop that additional source of supply, you're going to ha- you're going to stop the distorting effects that that have that has. And other people talk about, you know, the concerns of Europe, uh, this coming winter, uh, with uh, with natural gas supplies being cut off, potentially cut off, entirely cut off uh, from Russia, and the and the inability to get enough LNG into Europe uh, to satisfy demand, or the the cost, the price of getting it into Europe, and that Europe is going to have to switch over to some degree to fuel oil uh, to support their uh, to support electric electric generation. So there's there's a lot of issues out there in terms of in terms of a changing dynamic, supply-demand dynamic that people see. And Goldman and Merrill and others see a return to $100, $100 oil uh, as, we, as we enter the first quarter of next year. EIA, uh, the Energy Information Administration, in its latest forecast, uh, said we're still going to average out $100 oil uh, over the course of the year. Now, I am concerned because the futures market isn't, isn't picking up on that. And, and people with money who invest in the futures market aren't aren't you know driving the prices the futures prices up to reflect to reflect those higher levels. But there is sometimes you get into a market where the futures market is going one direction and all the analysts are going that direction. You get a little concerned about that for various reasons. But sometimes you get in those situations, and so you feel fairly comfortable that that's the direction that that the oil market is going here we're having a fairly significant split between what the futures market is telling, what current prices are telling us, what the futures market is telling us in in terms of of where the price is going and what the analysts are telling us in terms of what they see uh, coming ahead. And when you look at the factors involved, uh, the strategic petroleum, the deliveries out of the strategic petroleum reserve, the status of the Chinese uh, demand, the status of the U.S. economy, and what's going to go on in Europe this, this winter, when you look at the factors involved, there is, you know, some solid basis for expecting uh, for expecting some price firming uh, as we as we come into this winter. So, I if you look, if you just look at at the futures market in this ten seconds, there is cause for concern both in the current fiscal year and in the out fiscal years. But but I I don't think we should over dramatize it yet. Uh, until we see how some of these uh, how some of these other factors uh, play out. 
It ought to be, it's going to make for an interesting session, uh, if nothing else, that's for sure. All right, well, let's move on to number three, which is the half a plan. Half a plan. Uh, we see this, you've, you've, you've told me about this from a couple different places. The latest, though, is Maxine Dibbert in Fairbanks has put up some stuff uh, on her website that uh, you said, look, it's here's another one, a half, a half a plan. Tell me what you mean by that. So we have these candidates that are out there and, and Maxine has caught my attention because she's on Twitter a lot. And I sort of follow, you know, what candidates are saying on Twitter because it's how they sort of try to some is how some convey their message. She's on Twitter a lot. She sort of caught my attention because she's talking about, you know, I'm a supporter of K through 12. I'm a supporter of the university. I'm a supporter of grants, all of which involve additional spending. Um, and so, so, you know, at various times I've, I've asked the question in response to various tweets, who pays? I mean, how are you, how are you going to pay for, for these, for these spending plans? And, and there's not been a response. Um, and, and basically what you have are these candidates out there that are saying, you know, I'm going to solve all of our problems, all the world's problems up in Fairbanks and the university community. I'm going to solve all the world's problems because I'm going to, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to fight for, you know, spending for K through 12. I'm going to fight for spending on the university. I'm going to fight for uh, spending on this or that uh, and and the other program. And then when you come to, you know, how are you going to pay for it? You just, you don't have a plan for that. So I, it's a half a plan candidate. And, and what the, and, and what that leads to, I mean, we know what that leads to. We've seen it over the last five years. What that leads to is a lot of spending, no revenue to support it. And so they take it out of the PFD. And basically what these half a plan candidates are, whether they know it or not, and, and whether whether they will admit it even to themselves or not, what they are is their PFD cutters. I mean, because they want they want to increase spending, but they want to uh, uh, but but they don't have a plan for how they're going to pay for it. And so it's going to come out of the PFD at the end. Right. The, the, the real irony out of that is they're undoing. I mean, the reason she argues for all these spending plans is we need to support working Alaska families. The real irony is she's going to undo all that if she doesn't have a plan of how to pay for it other than PFD cuts. The real irony, is she undoes that. She undermines that because if the money comes out of PFD cuts, it comes out of the pockets, disproportionately out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families, working Alaska families. Right. So she's 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 by only having half a plan, she she is undoing everything that she's trying to trying to say she's going to accomplish. On the on the pay, payment side, she's undoing everything she says she's trying to accomplish uh, on the spending side. And it's just really frustrating well, to deal with candidate, candidates like that. Well, and we see that. I mean, look on her issue page. She says, you know, uh, you know, her issues on her issue page. Uh, invest in UAF as a core economic driver of our community. Okay, so that's going to cost money, as you're just talking about. And first of all. I mean, why is the university becoming the core economic driver? I mean, the the private economy, the entrepreneurs, the, that's what drives the core economic driver. That's what should be the core economic, uh, economic driver of any community. Then she talks about forward funding education. Again, more money. Universal pre-K, more money. Um, statewide initiatives to keep down property taxes in Fairbanks. What that translates to is more money coming from the state so we local property taxpayers don't have to pay for it. Again, more money. And then her my favorite thing is that a strong permanent fund with strong dividends that can be maintained far in the future, which is code for a sustainable dividend, right? 
Uh, and it just goes on and on and on. I mean, there's there's 15 things on this page. Every one of them is going to cost money. And yet, as you point out, not a single word on how it all gets paid for, except, of course, in the sustainable dividend uh, component. You can read between the lines there and realize that's where she wants to come out on. Well, I don't think she even knows that. I, she's just mimicking less uh, on, uh, on 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 that point. And I and I don't think she even realizes, you know, what 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 that what that means. I it, it's just Michael P. Candidates have to be responsible. Legislators have to be responsible. If you want to have a program, fine. If you think that's a justifiable program, fine. Talk about it, but at least pay for it. I mean, at least talk about how you're going to pay for it. You can't you can't you know just live in this fantasy world as Dunleavy does sometimes, as Les does sometimes, as, as Walker does sometimes. You can't live in this fantasy world where we can do all of these positive things, but we never have to pay for it. I mean, we right. never have to come up with the money to pay for it. Talk about your full plan. If you're if you're a half a plan candidate, to be honest, I just start start tuning you out because you're not a serious, you're not, you're not proposing to be a serious legislator. You're just proposing to be a, a, a an elected lobbyist, frankly, uh, for, for various spending programs. All right. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you coming on board for the weekly top three. As always, great to talk with you. Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Folks, we got more coming up, hour two, including Chris Story and some phone calls as well. We will return right after this, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Uh, but that's the thing. I mean, how are you going to pay for all this pie in the sky? How are you going to pay for, you know, robust state parks and recreational opportunities, timely snow removal on state roads, time, you know, Again, this is like this is like give me a wish list and we'll write it up and put it on your website. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. All of those things are great and fun and and fantastic, I think. But first of all, how many are mon- are mandated by the Constitution? And second of all, how do you pay for it all? That I mean, it, I, I don't think it could be any clearer than what you just laid out. I don't. I don't. You know, I, I'm not even. I'm not even. Yeah. I'm not even fighting about. I, I don't even get to the point of fighting about whether these programs are, you know, constitutionally mandated or not constitutionally mandated, or you know, good or bad. Or just tell me how you're going to pay for it, and then we can start having a discussion about whether it's appropriate to whether it's appropriate to take money from this group of people in order to spend it on on that sort of thing. But if you don't tell me how you're going to pay for it, we can't even have that discussion. It's like, I mean, it, it's like. You complain about K through twelve. Well, are you are you against the children? Are you against the children? Are you can complain about the university? Well, are you against you know higher education? No, but these are all these all involve choices, right? Yes, I'm against taking money disproportionately out of middle and lower income Alaska families to pay for K through twelve because take K through twelve benefits all Alaska families. All Alaska families ought to pay for it uh, proportionately. Uh, yes, I'm against taking money largely out of middle and lower income Alaska families in order to pay for the university. Now, if, if you're talking about taxing all Alaska families pro- uh, 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 proportionately in order to um, in order to pay for these things, let's have that discussion because then the top 20% are going to weigh in and they're going to say, "Oh no, I don't want to spend money on that. Don't take money. Don't take money out of my pocket for that." And we start to get we start to find the balance between between what we want and what we what we're willing to pay uh, as a state, but as long as we're just taking it out of PFD cuts, and again, all these half a plan candidates 
implicitly are endorsing taking money out of the PFD because if they don't have a plan for where the money's otherwise going to come from, we know where it comes from. We've seen where it comes from. It comes out of the PFD. So don't don't tell me about all these great plans about what you're doing for working Alaska families if if you don't have a plan for how you're going to pay for it fairly and equitably if you're just going to take it out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Yeah, no. I mean, I think that's the most frustrating part here and and that's the thing. Um <clears throat> and and I, and I want to point out here that uh you're not saying that Alaskans cuz I'm watching the the venom and the stuff spew out of the chat room here. Um, you know, you're not saying that they have to pay, that it has to be paid for by taxes, but it, they should at least have some kind of plan as to how it's going to be paid. Either admit that you're just taxing the PFD, admit that you're going to take it from other government programs or other government services, or admit that it has to be some other form of tax or revenue that's going to pay for it. Just have a plan. Just put it out there. What? How is it going to be done? Well, you got to pay for spending somehow. And I guess my point is, if, if you're going to advocate for additional spending, tell us how you're going to pay for it and, and make it equitable. If, if your argument is that, that we need this spending because it benefits all Alaska families, because it benefits you know working Alaska families, all Alaska families, then let's have a plan for how we're going to pay for it uh, that, draws, uh, that draws from uh, all Alaska families, that has all Alaska families uh, paying for it equitably. I, I mean... It, you and I have talked since, you know, talked ourselves blue in the face why we don't need to be spending all this money. But to have candidates come in and say, well, we need to spend more money. We need to be doing this. We need to be doing that. At least they need to face up to the fact that that costs money to do to do these additional things costs money and that they ought to have a plan for how they're going to raise that money equitably. Um, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. And yes, that plan should include. Um, looking at the oil taxes and everything else. I know that's been a, a, a sticking point for some uh, in the chat room, and it includes uh, looking at all. I mean, that was what the Fiscal Policy Working Group was about. It included two, three, four hundred million dollars in taxes, uh, new taxes for the oil companies and looking at that. It included finding efficiencies. It included discussing whether or not there should be a sales tax and everything else. I mean, it was a holistic approach. That's the thing. You need to look at it holistically and decide. Um, I personally think that taxes should not be on the table, but should they be there for at least for discussion? Yeah, you got to look at them. What are the pros and cons of them? What are the you know what's going on with it, um, Michael? Michael, PFD cuts put taxes on the table. Yeah. PFD cuts are taxes, and they are. So taxes. once once PFD cuts are on the table, we're talking about taxes. And the question is, is there a more equitable equitable approach if we're going to be talking about PFD cuts? If PFD cuts are part of the are the part of the pay force, is there a more equitable approach to raising to raising that money? And the fact is, there is. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and and all those discussion, all those talking points should be on the table. Everybody should be talking about it. Uh, unfortunately, it's a lot like, here's what I want. It's going to be great. Oh, we'll figure it out later when it comes to paying for it. Don't worry about it. You know, I mean, we figured it out all this time, haven't we, by taking the PFD? But, you know, we'll do what we need to do. Legislators need to be responsible. Candidates need to be responsible. I mean, I, I think you're going to have a great conversation with Cliff tomorrow because Cliff's one of the few people out there who, who, who says we need to spend more and we need to raise it equitably. Now, you can argue with him about how he proposes to raise it. Uh, I, I often do. But at least he talks about it being a balance between, between the two. Candidates who just say, oh, we need to spend more. We need to spend it on this. We need to spend it on that. We need to spend it on that. 
but don't talk about the revenue side. They have half a plan, they're half a candidate, and they're not really seriously trying to trying to resolve Alaska's issues. They're just sort of, as I say, they're they're trying to be hired by their district to be a lobbyist to go down to be a lobbyist for more spending uh, uh, in their direction. It's not they're not trying to be serious legislators. Brad Keithley, Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. My friend, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Next week, we'll see you then. How about that? Michael, as always, thanks for having me, and I look forward to next week. All right, folks. uh, That does it for this uh, hour. Jumping into hour two right now, the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is the Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio broadcast. And uh, I would love to hear from you um, as to what you have to say on this. In fact, uh, I'm in the process right now of just firing up the uh, phone lines. And uh, we're gonna see we're gonna see what it is that you guys want to talk about this morning. I just I had to shut up for a second because the phone lines were gonna blast everybody out. Um, we're going to uh, we're gonna open up the phone lines and take some calls from you. Um, I was interested to hear what Brad was just talking about specifically with the economics of the PFD and what does it mean? You know what what does it mean to many people? Is it the you know, the drinking binge or the trips to Hawaii or the big screen TV. Uh, anecdotally, going on in the chat room, um, I saw a lot of people talking about what Brad was talking about, getting caught up on bills, paying things off that they've been waiting on, uh, putting stuff away for winter, doing that kind of thing. So I want to open up the phone lines this morning. And uh, in this next segment, I want to find out from you, what did you spend your PFD on? What what did you what you know what were the things that you spent your PFD on, um, and uh, no judgment if it was a trip to Hawaii and a PF and a and a big screen TV, I'm all for it. I'm just trying to figure out what everybody else is. I mean, what did I do with mine? Um, I paid off, uh, got a new set of tires, and uh, I paid. Uh, I did some work on the car. That was pretty much it. And the rest of it went into the bank for the next time that the car needs work or the next time I need a new set of tires. 
Um, I didn't buy a big screen TV. I didn't do a trip to Hawaii. I didn't, you know, charter an aircraft full of liquor. I didn't do whatever it is that everybody thinks seems to think that uh, people should be doing with it. Um, I basically saved and squirreled away the lion's share of it because I don't know what's happening. I don't know what the economy is bringing. Um, Oh, my wife did a $1,200 trip to Costco for food. $1,200 $1,200 trip to Costco for food. That's welcome to my world. That's that's what it was. I mean, but I mean, that was only about 25% more than what she normally does on her bi-monthly trips to Costco. So, you know, what 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 did you guys do with your PFD? Um, I saw that uh, <clears throat> Bill in the chat room said uh, uh, that he basically did, uh, uh, that he did, uh, you know, the, the winter stuff and took care of it. Sandy says... That she said groceries, car repair, and some Christmas gifts. Sandy says property taxes and fuel oil. Yes, I also got a haircut with the PFD money. The guy had to have like a chainsaw and a hedge trimmer because it was so thick and bad. But that's okay, you know. I mean, that's that's just that's just what it was. So what did you spend your PFD on as you went uh, as you went through there? Was it, uh, you know, uh, Michael said, uh, Mikhail says he replaced some tools, paid some bills, squirreled the rest into savings. Again, I think Alaskans can be trusted with their PFD, don't you? I mean, I could have been trusted with the full PFD at that point. Uh, I would have, that would have put, I would have had even more money squirreled away into savings. Maybe I would have put another pair of tires on another vehicle because, you know, I mean, I've got, I've got like four vehicles with kids driving and everything else. We've, you know, got to fix them, got to fix them up. Oh, I did. I spent, I spent $300 on a new alternator for one of the other cars because it was starting to go out. So I did that too. So little car repair, little tires, groceries, and into the bank. That's where it all went. So what did you guys do with that? Um, somebody said I should have bought a snow machine. Well, if you could get one, (laughs) if you could get one, Laura says my PFD went to pay some taxes and stock up on food for the winter. How fun is that? Yeah, exactly. So what is it that you guys are spending your PFD? And if it's fun stuff, man, let me live vicariously through you. I would love to hear the fun stuff that you were able to get with your PFD. Uh, because a lot of us didn't do that. A lot of it didn't do that. Um, <clears throat> my wife did the same. $1,200 at Matsu Valley Meat, paid bills ahead, got new snow tires, says Jonathan. I don't think Alaskans are out there doing hookers and blow. You know what I mean? That that just seems like, that seems like, oh, they're just so irresponsible. We couldn't, you you don't. We'll give you what we think you, what you think you need and we'll take the rest. I mean, wow. <laughs> wow. Winter gear for the kiddos. Winter gear for the kiddos. Savings and house maintenance I've been holding off on. I did buy a pair of jeans and a flannel shirt and a pair of dog nail clippers. It's a little bit of a splurge. Yeah. I mean, Scott said tickets to my father's celebration of life in Washington. My condolences, Scott. And I would say that's money well spent. That's the memories you'll always remember. What can you do? You know, what can you do? 
If you would like to sound off, now's the time to do it. This hour of the program being brought to you by our friends over there at Satellite West. Uh, You can find them at SatelliteWest.com. When it comes to communications of any kind, Satellite West is uh, where you need to go for email, internet, text messaging, phone calls, Regardless of your location, they can get you hooked up. Again, SatelliteWest.com. I was just going over to take the phone call, and they hung up. They were on hold for 1 minute and 33 seconds. <clears throat> you got to let me get over to you, folks. I can't just abruptly jump over there, you know. I mean, I could, but that would be weird. So feel free to give us a call right now at 907-433-3150 and tell me what did you spend, what exorbitant, you know, um, hedonistic thing did you do to with your dividends? I'm just kidding. Because, again, most of them is basically people just paying the bills. That's what it's about. Let's go over here and see what you have to say. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, caller. Well, uh, let me try that again. Hello, caller. Um... All right, we'll hold the line for a second caller because apparently uh, my phones uh, are didn't want to do the thing and the thing. Uh, cable A, cable A. Um, boom. Okay, there we go. Sorry about that. That was thanks me. for calling the call in. See, now it works. All right, uh, we got to got callers. I'm going to take you up here in just a hot second. As soon as uh, <clears throat> as soon as I quit yapping, we're going to be. Uh, Jumping back over to the phone calls at 907-433-3150. And you're going to tell me what it was that you did with your PFD. Uh, I want to hear what it's all about. Uh, So let's go over here and see what you have to say. We'll try it again. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Yes, Marshall up here in Fairbanks calling in about PFD. Okay, Marshall, what what did you do with it? Uh, Well, So you spent your PFD on a wood stove to try and offset for the cost of heating oil in Fairbanks, which is outrageous right now. I mean, it's not it's not as bad as it was two months ago, but it still ain't looking great. And yeah, I mean, I did the same thing before uh, we left Fairbanks. I had installed a wood coal stove um, uh, two years before we left, and it helped cut our heating bill down a lot. But it was still a lot of work. I mean, you still have to feed it. You still have to chop the wood or split the wood or buy the wood or stack the wood or do all those things. So there's definitely a trade-off. But, you know, that's not a frivolous thing. Getting a, getting a wood stove, definitely not a frivolous thing. Yeah, the work is well worth the costing. I'm hearing, I should say, 50% or better. And now that's the yeah, no, absolutely. All right, well, Marshall, thank you so much for your call. Let's uh, go over here. We'll take uh, the next one. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Randy in Fairbanks. Randy, go ahead. Uh, yeah, what I always seem to use the PFD for is paying off my property taxes. I mean, I haven't, the last time I took the PFD was in 2014, but uh, it sure came in handy for that. And if I ever start taking it again, that probably be a good use for it. And uh, 
Could I bring up uh, the municipal election again, or are you still just taking... Quickly, yeah, quickly. I got other calls, so go ahead, quickly. Okay. I I just wanted to point out that one other thing that I disagree with Valerie Therrien on is that way back when she was a city council member back on September 12, 1983, she voted for Ordinance 4264, and that brought back collective bargaining to the city workers, uh, to the city employees there of Fairbanks, and um, uh, in 1972, when the Public, Empl- Public Employment Relations Act was passed by the state legislature, a lot of cities exempted them themselves as they were allowed to from that. But she went and reversed that exemption in 1983, and I imagine that has cost the city taxpayers millions of dollars, and now she's thinking about running for mayor, and we need a person uh, that wants to hold down costs, not want- that wants to balloon them. Uh, by putting in collective bargaining. And we can't get rid of collective bargaining now. You know, it's like an animal trap. We're right. stuck. But, so that's one reason why I disagree with her. But, you know, over-government costs, on a state level particularly, that's what cuts into our PFD. And if we, if we reduce costs, uh, we can still have a higher PFD and, and, and a balanced budget. So that, that's my philosophy on that. All right, Randy, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Uh, 907-433-3150 over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? As Patrick of North Pole, I spent my entire dividend on heating oil, so I don't freeze to death this winter. <laughs> it's not that's not hard, is it? I mean, uh, a full dividend this year would have, uh, I guess, it would have filled a 500 gallon tank, but it would not have filled a thousand gallon tank. That's for sure. No, I sp- I bought a little under 800 gallons, and that took every nickel of it. Yeah, no, and I uh, had to haul it myself. And you had to haul it. Yeah, that's even that's insult to injury having to haul it yourself. I mean, when we were a family and uh, and lived in North Pole there, and we got dividends for everybody in the family, I guarantee you it was always at least one full dividend that went into the fuel tank, at least one full one, because I had a thousand gallon fuel tank, and it was you know every year one dividend right into the ground right there every time, uh, and then another one for cars and vehicles and maintenance and everything else. It just it it just goes quickly. It won't last the winter either. That's the whole problem. Yeah, no, no, so, no. I, hopefully we survive. Thanks so much, Patrick. I appreciate it. Uh, let's go over here. What did you do with your PFD? Who's this? Where are you calling from? Now, this is Ron from Casilla. Hey, Ron. I, just, I was just going to say if maybe Randy would donate his PFD to the Kenai Peninsula Food Bank, or as he would call it, his welfare check. That would be awesome. But I spent my or I should say all of it, my wife and I went to Bullet Farm in Soldotna and bought some pistols. Well, the rest will be going for the fuel tank. Well, there you go. That's I mean, you got, do ours. you got a little bit of fun. I mean, I guess fun and protection out of it. Uh, but again, a big share exactly. of it. Exactly. Yep, big share of it going over to the fuel tank. I think that's what most people do. They might have one little thing that they buy. Uh, and then I got a haircut. That was my splurge for the PFD. Uh, but <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 I passed your advice on to my my wife to spend as as much or more on the holster. Yeah, see, there you go. That's what you need to do. You need to get a little bit because that's that's worth it right there. That is money well spent. If you're going to carry a pistol, the holster should be a, a significant chunk of change. So, all right. Well, hey, thanks yeah. for thanks for your call. Appreciate you listening in down there. One final call before we go to break. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, this is Cindy from Fairbanks. Hey, Cindy, what's on your mind? 
Well, on my PFD, I paid off two of my credit cards to get the the interest rate down to nothing, <laughs> and groceries and some socks for my granddaughters. And that was it. That was the whole kit and caboodle. Boy, you're the you're a frivolous spender. Yep. How how dare you do that? All right. Well, good. I'm, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 glad to hear it. I'm glad it's not just me that's trying to be responsible with my PFDs and everything else. Thank you, uh, Cindy, for calling in. Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines again once we're done with Chris' story, and we'll talk with you some more. I'm I'm interested. I'm really. I mean, of all the calls we just had, one of them bought some pistols, which arguably could be used for home defense or self defense. I don't know that it's a necessity, but it's uh, still. Uh, I think it's still still pretty good. Um, but again, then they spent the rest on heating fuel. So how frivolous are we around here? We'll take this up on the other side. Chris Story, though, is up next. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these uh, entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. Uh, In the break right now. Going to get everything set up for Chris Story. Story. Um, okay, over here, over there. All right, I think we're set up. I think, yeah, yep, I think we're all set up. Okay, good enough. Oh, one line on hold. Nope, no lines on hold. Good enough. Okay. Uh, Kyle says FBI coming. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means, Kyle. You'll have to, uh, you'll do it. Laura splurged. She spent $13 on a bath mat. I'm sorry. I exaggerated. $12.99 on a bath mat. Um, let me see what else is going on here. Gas just went up across the state 30 cents. I noticed that yesterday. I got gas yesterday. And it was definitely more expensive than the week before. Uh, definitely more expensive in Anchorage than it is in Wasilla. I ended up buying gas in Wasilla because, woof, man. Um, if it's going up during an election, imagine what it's going to be after the election, said Jonathan. Yeah, you see. Property taxes to the rest of the house to the house replacement fund. House replacement fund, said uh, Pamela. There you go. Coffee, need to get coffee through the fall and the winter, says uh, Debbie. Uh, and I'm hoping to have, uh, I'm hoping to have here in the next uh, couple weeks the beard curler uh, ready to go. The beard, the beard curler coffee. Hey, look, that was my phone ringing. That's what that was, my phone ringing. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm on top of the world. Good, good. We were just talking about. Uh, well, well, I'll talk to you about it when I get back to the uh, when I get back to the uh, air here. Um, I'm just going through, we just been talking with people about, um, uh, we just get talking with people about, uh, uh, what they spent their dividends on. Were they frivolous? You know, was it the, Mm -hmm. were you buying hooch, uh, or hookers and blow or big screen TVs (laughs) or going to Hawaii, you know, 
I mean, I heard the hookers and flow comment. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, well, you know, you gotta gotta have it here. I don't remember that ballot proposition, but no, maybe no, it's coming. It's probably coming eventually. I mean, they are politicians after all. That's the that's the thing. Um, you have a six gallon tank. How expensive can it get? I have a I have a twelve gallon tank. I'll have you know, and it cost me sixty three dollars to fill up my little Mini Cooper. Luckily, I get 40 miles to the gallon, so <laughs> that makes it easier. But Do you really? Yeah, I get 38.9 miles to the gallon uh, on the highway. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So, but yeah, I noticed that, that I noticed that gas went up uh, about 30, 40 cents a gallon here in the last week. It's, it's just yo-yoing back and forth. I don't know what to do about it. I can't get mad about it because it is what it is and we got to have it, but... Uh, uh, does Chris Story ever look at the pump, or does he just pump it and pump and go? Um, you know, it's what I never have. I've never paid attention to to gas prices in my entire life. So I, but it, it and that's just a, and that's not. I mean, that's ignorant. It's just ignorant on my part. I just no, I don't pay attention. But um, I can walk to work I, where I live. I, I'm just incredibly close. So I, but I drive obviously for my you know, to go show homes and everything. But at the same time, I just, I'm always running on the bottom of my tank. You know, that's <laughs> you know, not, like, you know, that's I'm not huge. the thing you're supposed to do. Right. I mean, anytime you, exactly. hit, you hit a quarter tank, you're supposed to go fill up. Right. That's the, my dad always taught me to run off the top half of the tank, not the bottom half, but I, I still have it anyway. So I'm, I'm always like, just please God, let me get to the gas station. I'll be good. I'll be good. And then I just fill up and forget to look. Yeah, just fill up and forget to look. Uh, for many years, I used to run out of gas all the time. I carried a little can in the back of my car because I'd be like, oh, I'll get gas in a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll get gas in a little yeah. bit. And then I'd run out of gas and I'd be like, oh. With but, the new technology, my truck will tell me, you know, like, oh, you have like 23 miles left. And, eh, yeah. It's okay. 18 miles. And then I, at some point it stops. It just says you're you're about to die. Well, oh, stop. yeah. I can guarantee you that I've driven at least five miles when my car said you have zero miles left. <laughs> Okay. I have coasted into the gas station uh, from time Mm -hmm. to time, you know. Um, All right. Uh, Let's um, uh, let's jump back into it. Here we go. Chris stories. What's our topic today, Chris? How to get lucky. Whoa. Whoa. This is a family show, my friend. Uh, Hold the line here. We're going to jump back into it. The Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Okay, so uh, Chris Story is our guest. It is uh, uh, the weekly pickup, the pick-me-up, the PMA, the life coaching, the whatever you want to call it. From on top of the world radio, Chris Story joins us uh, all the way down from uh, Homer, which is an oxymoron, I know. Top of the world all the way down in Homer. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Michael, I'm fantastic, and I'm on top of the world. Remember, it's a mindset. So it's wherever a, you right. is. It's on top of the world. Wherever you are, there you are. Um, we just were talking about the PFD, so people want to know what was Chris, what did Chris Story spend his PFD on? Uh, go to property taxes. Property we, taxes. We put, uh, yeah. So, uh, yep. So we just uh, pick up whatever you know. Some very just goes towards uh, property taxes. Some of our properties, and and uh, we say thank you very much. That's it. That's it. No, no big screen TVs, no trips to Hawaii and everything else. It's just like you sign over the back of it and you gently hand it over to the tax assessor and say, there you go. 
Exactly. Yeah, that's crazy. Easy come, easy go. That's what it is. Well, today you're going to teach us how to get lucky. Uh, but this is a family show, so I just want you to remember that as you go through telling us how we're going to get lucky. What does it take, Chris? I want to know. I had a friend years ago. He's moved out of state now, but he was from Massachusetts. And, and for years, I just this is the luckiest guy I knew. He was constantly winning prizes. He'd, he'd get family members back in Massachusetts to send in lotto tickets. And he was constantly winning things. And I just kept thinking to myself, why is this guy so lucky? Some people just go on and find the four-leaf clover of life every day. And then it dawned on me, Michael, I never entered to win. He was constantly <laughs> entering to win these these things. It, it, these things would show up. I remember one day he got this inflatable canoe showed up at the office and he blew it up and it was on the it was in the middle of the office for a week or so and like how did he win it? I never entered to win. I still rarely and barely ever entered to win a contest and, and and that's the reason that I am not lucky in that area of life and my friend was. Jeff Golden's got a great book. It's more like a magazine than it is a book, but it's called What to Do When It's Your Turn. And then the byline is by the way it's always your turn. In that book, he, he writes about a researcher called Richard Weissman. And Richard Weissman found over a multi-decade piece of research, he found that there are only four principles which generate good fortune, what we consider luck, what people call luck, that there's four principles, four basic principles that lead to that good fortune. And the first one is creating and noticing chance opportunity so you have to not just be awake and aware but you can also create those opportunities and i think it looks like sometimes to those of us that maybe don't consider ourselves lucky that somebody just stumbled into something well maybe that was them noticing an opportunity and other times it's you and dependent upon you creating that opportunity and then seizing the moment but creating and noticing chance opportunities is the first principle that Richard Weissman shared on generating good fortune. Which means you have to be aware, which means you have to be paying yeah. attention, which means you have to be looking out for those opportunities and not, uh, you know, worried about what's on the next episode of Must See TV Thursday. So, I mean, how do you how do you stay focused on that, Chris Story? Man about town, guru of positivity. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to add that to my byline. I think that it's it's an opportunity to go back to something you know I talked about a lot, which is journaling. And when you write down your goals and you put things to paper and you set it to paper, you're you, you can even leave that paper in the desk drawer and go about your business. It's once you've implanted it in your brain and there is something tied to writing uh, with your hand physically and then it connecting to a different part of your brain, your reticular activating system is engaged and you begin to notice. Just like we talked about before, when you decide you're going to get a particular kind of car or a particular color or a friend of yours, like a friend of mine got a, a beautiful Bronco, not the sport Bronco, but like the the real new Broncos are creating. It took months and months for it to arrive. When it finally did arrive, I, I never paid attention. And then suddenly I noticed them like, oh, oh, there's right, one right. driving between here and Anchorage or here in Wasilla. And like, oh, there's one. And so suddenly you notice these kinds of things. And that's a very simplistic way to look at it in the cars because we've all been through that. Or you particular, uh, you decide to get, oh, I'm going to get this new coat or whatever it is. And then you notice it everywhere. If you decide you're going to create some good fortune, you're going to create a goal for yourself to move forward in your health, your wealth, your prosperity, your economics. So you're, you're talking with Brad Keegley this morning and others about the economy. Well, you decide, you know what, I'm going to take control of 
my economy and your economy becomes something you're paying attention to, you'll start to notice. Now that you've brought up gas prices to me, I'm going to notice every time I drive by two or three gas stations that are here in town, I'm going to notice the gas prices today because you've brought it to my attention <laughs> that I'm an idiot. And so I, I think that's I never just said that. I never <laughs> said that. I was just curious if you asked if you paid attention to it. That was all. You, you, you had idiot. Your point. You made your point. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's good. I mean, and I, and I agree. I think the journaling and, you know, the focusing on it, writing down your ideas, it does connect to your brain in, in a special mm-hmm. way. I, uh, last time I went to Homer on my way down, I picked up a composition book, you know, from the store or whatever. And I just started writing into out these ideas that have been rattling around my head for uh, the last year. And it really helped to put some of those ideas down on paper, things, next steps that I could take it, you know, it, it, it factualized it, you know, instead of just being in my head of this amorphous like daydreams or thoughts or ideas, all of a sudden I was like, okay, so if I do this and this and this and this, then it gave me kind of a plan of action where I could, uh, you know, take on some of those things and attack them and take advantage of those opportunities, like you said. Exactly. So that's the first principle, create and notice chance opportunities. And the second principle for good fortune, according to Richard Weissman, is to make, quote, lucky decisions by listening to your own intuition your sixth sense and i love the idea of him juxtaposing these quote lucky decisions with actually your intuition it's not lucky at all it's your intuition you have a guiding intuition in your being you just know sometimes and you when you don't take action then you confirm in your mind that oh see i wasn't worthy of it when you take action and you you listen to that intuition and you win then suddenly it starts feeding number one, which is creating and noticing more chance opportunities. So making what appear to be lucky decisions actually are more based on your own intuition. We have a sixth sense. There, there are many times you've passed up an opportunity to invest in something or you passed up an opportunity to uh, create a product and suddenly you see it out there into the world or the idea that you had is suddenly um, a, a best-selling book or an idea for a product. I once came up with an idea and I called the Carhartt company, which is a, a, I think at the time, this is in the early 1990s, and I believe it was privately uh, owned, family owned company. Maybe it still is, but I called them up and said, I've got this idea. I, I want to work with you together on this idea. Well, they, they were kind enough to have somebody from their patents department call me back and say, well, we don't actually solicit ideas and we don't actually pay for ideas. You're welcome to share the idea with us. And of course, I no, no, thank you. And I thought, I'm going to go work on this my, myself. My father and I had built a, a, a building for Tiffany and I. We built a commercial building, and I spent a lot of time in the crawl space because we did all the plumbing and, and vapor barrier and insulation, everything in this crawl space, and we spent a lot of time on our knees down there. And I thought, man, I wish there was a pocket in the knee of this car that I could slip a knee pad into because knee pads that you typically strap onto your leg kind of right. bind at the back and right. it's uncomfortable over time. And I said, if I could just slip one of these knee pads into the knee if there was a pocket there. Anyway. They did come out with that. And of course, I never had shared it with them, so it was nothing to do with me. They did come out with a little slip-in deal you could slip into your knee in this little pocket and have a knee pad there. So anyway, but the idea is I made a non-lucky decision, didn't follow my intuition, didn't follow up with any sort of patenting or design or anything. I just let it sit on the shelf, figured it was not for me. But a lucky decision might have looked like me deciding to go forward with this, even if they didn't pay me for the idea. And and maybe it created a relationship that I passed up. So you just never know. But lucky decisions, you only notice them 
if something works because somebody followed their intuition, like the designer of Spanx, right. uh, Sharon Blakely, who's now a billionaire, she followed that, quote, lucky decision, and it was really based on her intuition when everybody else in the garment industry said, you're crazy, this will never work. Right. Well, and I think it has to do with, uh, you know, you you talked about being, re- you know, watching and knowing the opportunity. I think you have to be prepared to take advantage. I think mentally you have to be. And I think that there's a facet of that as well. You could see something, you could see the opportunity, but if you're not prepared, maybe mm-hmm. mentally or financially had a little money socked away in case something, I mean, you have to be prepared and ready to take advantage of it when it shows up, because a lot of times opportunity is fleeting, right? A certain, spe- not opportunity in general, but a specific opportunity can be fleeting. Mm-hmm. You have to be ready and prepared to take advantage of it when it shows up. Exactly. Yeah, I love that. That's well put. So again, the four principles from Richard Weissman on creating good fortune. One, creating noticing opportunities. Secondly, making lucky decisions by listening to your own gut, your intuition. And then third, create self-fulfilling prophecies, he said through positive expectations. And this is something you and I touch on all the time. You can, you know, what you think about, you create and bring about into your life. Having a positive expectation. If you walk around expecting things not to work, you're going to find a self-fulfilling prophecy that, yep, sure enough, it didn't work. So he found that people that created what we consider luck or good fortune had a positive expectation and it became a self-fulfilling prophecy. What they expected, they brought about in their own life. Yeah. No. I mean, again, what you believe is what you're going to get. What you you know, what you focus on and what you factor in is what you're going to get. So if you walk around saying, oh, well, you know, never works out for me and I'm not the mm-hmm. lucky one and, you know, old mm-hmm. things never go my way. Guess what? Things are never going to go your way because that's what you believe. And his fourth principle was to adopt a resilient attitude that transforms bad luck into good. And that's just persistence. You know, resilience is, is a very popular word these days with respect to, um, I think, the victim culture and so forth. And, and even related to uh, the ESG, our, uh, for some reason, the trade organization I belong to decided to add resilience into the ESG program, um, which is all part of the Great Reset. But anyway, that's <laughs> another tangent. But uh, adopting resiliency and having an attitude to say, okay, this didn't work out but I'm going to turn it into good fortune. Like I, as you've quoted many times, Edison said, I found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. The filament didn't work 9,999 times until the finally he found one that did. So it's adopting that attitude of, look, it, it, maybe this isn't the right time or I wasn't prepared. I just wrote a piece um, that I'm going to be um, publishing soon about stupidity, that you should embrace stupidity. Because stupidity is the is that moment just before the peak, just before you get it. So we're afraid of stupidity. We don't want to look stupid. We don't want to raise our hand and ask a stupid question. We want to kind of just maybe fade into the background and not look or appear stupid. When in fact, stupidity just is coming just prior to good fortune. It's like three feet from gold. It's stupidity. And then you hit the gold. You strike it with whatever it is you're looking for. But you've got to be resilient. And you have to have that attitude that says, look, I found 9,000 ways not to do this, or I found, you know, I found all the jobs that I didn't like doing. I'm about to find the right one. I'm going right. to find the right person. I, you know, I've, I was just at a wedding recently, my cousin's wedding and, and uh, his bride's father stood up and said, you know, my daughter's kissed a lot of frogs. 
and she finally found the prince. And I thought that was great. There's resiliency right there. That's right. Well, embracing stupidity. I mean, that's the theme of this show every day. So, I mean, I think we're definitely we're we're waiting for the gold to uh, to pop up at any moment here at this point. Um, all right. So, uh, recap real quick, Chris. The uh, four items uh, for uh, making for finding making your own luck, getting lucky. How to get lucky every day, create and notice the chance opportunities in your life. They're all out there. Make lucky decisions by actually listening to yourself and your own intuition. Create a self-fulfilling prophecy through positive expectations of the outcome you're looking for and adopt a resiliency and an attitude that says, you know what? I'm going to take this bad luck and turn it into good luck and fortune. I'm going to make something out of this. All right. Well, it's uh, words to live by. Embracing stupidity. That's I'm going to get a new T-shirt that says that. Embrace stupidity, um, because it is always it's always that you do the dumb thing and then all of a sudden you get lucky. People are like, "Oh, well, that was the dumbest mm-hmm. thing ever. He should another." But but here he is, and you're like, "Yeah, I just kept pumping the pump. Yep. I figured eventually water would come out. Uh, that's all we needed to do. So uh, good stuff." Exactly. I Love Homer, Alaska is Chris's website, his book, uh, his books, his multiple books, The Backyard Millionaire, Born to Live, um, his fictional novel uh, called The Making of Man, uh, which I can't wait to read the sec. I'm lucky I get to read it before all of you folks, because then I get to read it for the audio. I get to narrate the audio book. So I'm looking forward to that um, so that we can do the uh, audio books in time for Christmas. And um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited about it. I can't I can't wait. Anything else folks need to know about, Chris? I'm going to have uh, Kelly Chewbacca on my program today for a couple of segments to uh, talk in response to the Lisa Murkowski uh, mudslinging campaign that seems to be happening. Oh, the yeah, the campaign ads where she's the devil and she's stolen money yeah. from Alaskans and done all this. Other Absolutely. Kind of stuff. That's going to give her the opportunity to just uh, yeah. give her side of that. That's story. the Mitch McConnell money right there, baby. That's all mm-hmm. that is. That's Mitch McConnell. He does not want to see Murkowski leave his camp. He does not want to have the light of day shown on him. Um, all right. Well, good. Uh, today, starting at one, right? You got it. One o'clock. All right. I love Homer, Alaska is where you go to find out all about Chris Story. My friend, thank you so much as always. And may you get lucky today. <laughs> thank you, Michael. I'm already lucky. <laughs> well, I'm no, your friend. May, well, that's true. I mean, you are, but may you get more lucky today. Then how about that? How about that? Um, all right, my friend. Thanks for coming on board and joining us today. Folks, we're out of time. We got one more segment. We're going to open up the phone lines again. What did you do? With your PFD, I'm, I'm, it's like a poll. I'm taking a poll. I want to know, what did you do with your PFD? Did you spend it on frivolous things, or were you a responsible adult? Did you pay your taxes, pay off your credit cards, pay down your cars, put heating oil in the tank? What did you do? Um, this is just an unscientific anecdotal poll, but I want to know. 907-433-3150, The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Okay. Uh, in the commercial break right now, hoping everybody went to break like they were supposed to. We were right up against it there. Um, and uh, hopefully we are. Let me... Uh, let me go back into the chat room here to see what uh, else you guys have had to say. Crystal says, I love listening to Chris. He reminds me of Bill O'Reilly. I, I, that's somebody I never would have thought to compare Chris Story to Bill O'Reilly. But 
I mean, I really enjoyed. Chris and I always have a good time uh, when we're chatting and talking and chatting together. Um, Bill said, I was talking about my composition book with all my ideas and everything else. And Bill said, that's called a grocery list, Michael. Yes, haha. I know it's not a great. I mean, I had, I actually have some good ideas in this book. Some good ideas. We'll see if I can make them come to fruition, Bill. I'm working on it. Um, Greg said he uh, paid his taxes and bought heating oil. Man, how responsible of you. I'm disappointed, Greg. Disappointed. Disappointed. Um, All right. Um, Rob Myers said we were talking about running out of gas. And Rob Myers says, when I was in high school, I once pushed my car the last 50 feet to the pump. Oh, been there, done that a couple times. Rob, I have done that a couple times. I, I, I've grown out of it, but boy, for the first, my wife would just roll her eyes because it'd be the first probably 10 years of our marriage. I would probably run out of gas. I don't know. Every, God, I hate to say it. Probably twice a month, I would just run out of gas. And uh, that's why I started packing this little one gallon can around in the back of my car. Um, because I'd just be, I just be, I just couldn't be bothered. I was just like, oh, I'll get to it. And then I'll get, you know, and then I would run out of gas and then I'd be like, oh, oh, oh. but I finally grew out of that. It, it took 10 years or so, but I finally did. Um, <clears throat> and now, like Chris said, now I've got all the, I've got all the bells and whistles that flash at you and tell you, Hey, you're out of gas. Get, get to the, get to the tank. Um, um, going back through here property taxes and the rest of the house. Herder uh, says that uh, he paid uh, so far, he spent his dividend on fuel, some work clothes, repairs to the trucks, work on the house, heating, etc. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's what everybody does. Tawny paid off a portion of her car note and bought some heating oil. Again, you guys are disappointing me. I mean, again, I want to say I, we threw a wild party and, you know, and and bought gallons of whiskey and and uh, and big screen TVs and hors d'oeuvres and Pokemon cards or something. I mean, I you know, something that's completely irrelevant. You know, that's what I want. That's what I want to know. Uh, I think the IRS should let let us write off our fuel oil to heat the house. Uh, I mean, maybe you could. I'm not a not a tax guy, but I mean, can you write it off if you itemize? I don't know. I, I don't know. Half of our kids' uh, PFDs went to their college fund to otherwise get a tank of heating oil, filled the freezers, and stuck the rest back in the bank. I'll be spending next. I'll be spending more next month to do some work on my car. Yeah, I mean that's. And as your kids grow up, Rob, it's going to get even worse because now I've got five cars in the driveway. Five cars in the driveway, and probably another. I've already done work on one, and probably two more need more work before winter. So I'm sure there'll be more of that going into the. Uh, Going into the pockets of my local repair shop uh, before we go, get along too far here. Um, Barbara says, I love listening to Chris' story. Me too. Me too. Okay. Um, people bought a ton of towel, towels, shelves, wipes, clean. What? People bought a ton of towels, shelves, wipes clean at Walmart. I don't even know what that is. Does that mean like the wet, the towels, paper towels, regular towels, shelf wipes? What are we talking about? Man, sometimes that that text-to-speech thing is a real booger. Um, 
The PFD is finally getting large enough that you can do more than just fuel the fuel tank or the freezer can actually help small businesses if the legislature would leave it alone. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. If they would leave it alone. All right, we got two lines on hold. Let's go over there and get the names before we return to radio. We're about a minute out. Let's uh, figure out who's on the phone here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning. This is Mike, and I'm in Fairbanks. All right, Mike. Uh, my hold, wife and I are. Hold on, Mike. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Don't don't get ahead of me. I'm just getting your name. I'm coming back to you in a second. You're number one. Let me go over here. Number two. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Al, and I'm calling from Homer. All right, Al and Homer. Hold the line, Al. You will be number two in the queue. Uh, and we will uh, be right back to you. We're, in fact, we're 30 seconds out, so we're going to be back to you here in just a hot second. Don't go anywhere. Um, all right. My kiddo share a car, said uh, Gordon. Mine do, too. Mine do, too. I've got two more cars, and yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Planning a trip to Hawaii, says Joshua. Right, good for you. Good for you. I would love to go. I lived in Hawaii for a little bit. I would love to go back to Hawaii. Never did. All right. Ready to return to the radio here. Uh, apparently, we're still on the radio in Homer, but that's okay. Uh, we, we, welcome. Hey, Homer, guys. You just saw all behind the scenes. This is what happens during all the commercial breaks. We just chat. That's all we do. Here we go. Uh, all right, welcome back to the program. One final segment. We're taking calls as to uh, what, where, what did you do with your PFD? Because we keep hearing anecdotally how we just blow it, right? The legislature they knows better than we do. They knows better. They knows better than we do how to spend our money. So I wanted to know how do you spend your money on the PFD? Um, Ron says he bought some plane tickets for vacation, so that's the first one that I've seen of that. Um, everybody else seems to have bought a lot of car tires and heating oil and everything else, but let's see what they say on the, uh, on the, on the, uh, phones right now. Mike is in Fairbanks. Mike, what did you spend your PFD on this year? Well, my wife and I are, uh, recently retired and on a fixed income. So this year's dividend has been a big benefit. We're just spending on necessary items. Some of it's going to go to heating fuel today and, uh, we may have some going to a Thanksgiving trip down to the States to see relatives, but uh, it's it's just kind of part of the budget now. Yeah, and in the past, yeah. in the past, Mike, have you spent it on frivolous things, or have you, you know, is it property taxes and heating oil and and what what have historically what have you spent it on? Uh, necessary things mostly. Sometimes I've been able to sock it away. Uh, I was. The big deal was uh, I had I had control of my daughter's dividend as she was growing up, and that all went into a big fund, and now she's got a nice chunk of money uh, waiting for her to use responsibly. Nice, nice. Well, that's good. That's a being a good parent. In my uh, when we were coming up with our kids. All of all of their dividends went to help support them all at the time. We didn't have a whole lot of funds going on because we were still paying for things around there. So, um, all right, Mike. Well, we appreciate you signing off. Thank you so much. Al is down in Homer. Uh, we'll get what Al uh, has been doing. Al, uh, what's going on? Yes. Can you hear me? I can, in fact. 
All right. Uh, my wife and I are retired. Uh, the dividend is very important to us. We spend it on necessities, mostly gasoline. It gives us the chance to go out in our boat a little bit more often. I'd like to say something important. I wish someone would address the fact that we're getting gouged for the price of gasoline down here at Homer, and we're on the uh, road system, right. but we are, we're paying 50 cents a dollar a gallon more, and our dividend gets sucked up so much quicker. But thank you very much for your show. It's an excellent show, and like I said, we use our dividend for important necessities of our life, uh, being retired, and please, if anybody's out there listening, Figure out how we can investigate this gouging of our prices on fuel. All right, right, Al. Thank you for calling in and joining us. I don't know if it's as much gouging as it is whatever the market will bear. If somebody else brought a gas station in there and sold fuel a little more cheaply, maybe that competition would help. I, I mean, I don't know. We saw the same thing going on in Fairbanks when I lived in Fairbanks. Fairbanks gas was always more expensive than it was in uh you know in anchorage uh so to speak uh and there's been times when gas was cheaper in wasilla than it was in anchorage i mean it's you know again it's just whatever the market will bear um uh that's uh that's the case let's go over here how did you spend your dividend i want to know give me a call at 907-433-3150-907-433-3150 let's go over to this caller good morning who's this where you call it from Hi, this is Barbara Haney in North Pole. How are you today? Good, Barbara. What's uh, what's happening in your world? How did you? How have you spent your dividend? I spent it buying ads on your show. <laughs> oh, you did. Well, I don't. So, know if, uh, I don't know if that that might be. The it, legislature might count that as frivolous. I, I mean, they may just say that that's frivolous. But uh, well, yeah, I'm I'm running for office, and I have. Um, it appears that there are people on the assembly who want to repeal the tax cap and they want Fairbanks to become an Anchorage style class one borough. So I used it to let people know they need to get out and vote. Uh, because if you thought your assessments this year were high, <laughs> just wait till you get oh, a class one man. borough. Yeah, wait till you um, get, yeah, you start to be a class one borough with uh, full police departments and public works and everything else across the whole borough. Good luck with that. Yeah, so it's really important that people get out there and vote for Brett and I, and uh, it's, uh, there's a lot at stake, just a lot more at stake than just simply letting the Road Service Commission do their thing. Yeah, okay. So a um, lot, more, lot more at stake than assessment reform. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, people you send the message and vote yes on Prop 1 because that's your tax cap. Yeah, absolutely. The tax cap has to continue. That has saved uh, the interior somewhere upwards of almost half a billion dollars over the last uh, 25 years yeah. that it's been that's in place. Something, that's something I've been involved with since 94, 93, 94, yeah. somewhere in there. Oh, Donna yeah. Gilbert's legacy to Airbanks. So. Absolutely. Thank you very All much. Right. Please get out there. Barbara and Brett from Burroughs. Thanks. Thanks, uh, Barb. Appreciate it. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. One more call here, I think, before we run out of time for the day. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, Michael. This is Ron in North Pole with a bit of a tongue-in-cheek commentary. Okay. All right. Hit me with that. Sock, sock mine away to kind of offset the recent loss in my IRA. <laughs> oh, well, that's... 
<laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's true. That would be one way to do it. Putting it and and you know, I think saving it is a reasonable thing. I mean, right? I mean, well, you know, it uh, it filled a, a small portion of the hole. The market has left recently. Yeah. No. Definitely. The market has definitely hit some cratering points. And like I said, I considered that if I spent it on you know tires and heating oil, and I was able to put half of it away, I felt like I was doing a good thing because what would I spend it on later? Not, again, vacations or big screen TVs. I'd fix the furnace the next time it broke or the truck the next time it broke down. It was just, it was there to be used in a reasonable manner. And and uh, uh, like I said, I hardly ever had any chance to save it while I lived in the interior. Uh, but after coming down here, we were able to save some of that. And that's been, that's been good for people. So. Prudence is a virtue. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you calling in and joining us this morning. Um, All right. Well, tomorrow on the program, Cliff Grow is going to be joining us and Jessica Wright, both candidates for the state legislature, uh, one on the right, one on the left. So that should be an interesting discussion, to say the least. Um, Again, I'm looking through all this stuff here in the chat room where people are saying, um, you know, IRAs, kids' brokerages, taxes on the house, filled up the fuel tanks, parts and supplies, fixing the car. I mean, it just it seems like most everybody in here of of all this, I see that there's one that said they bought plane tickets for a vacation, and the other one said they're planning a trip to Hawaii. So out of, you know, probably two dozen people, two of them are going on vacation, which I'm not criticizing. I'm glad that they can do that. But to say that most Alaskans, because that seems to be the reper- that seems to be the implication from the legislature. Oh well, they're just they're just spending it frivolously anyway. No, it's helping us keep going. It's helping us stay in Alaska. That's what it's all about. I like that. That's why the dividend's important, and that's why it's important that people have the choice for how they want to spend it. Anyway. We got to go today, folks. Thank you for coming on board and joining us. We appreciate you being part of it again tomorrow. Cliff Grow and Jessica Wright. We will see you then. The Michael Duke Show. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. Okay. Well, I feel bad. I accidentally ran over the last hour of the segment. Anyway, tomorrow's another day. Be kind, folks. Love one another. Live well. Do all the good stuff. Subscribe. Ring the bell. Hit follow on Twitch. Ring the bell and hit the subscribe button on YouTube. And like and follow the show page on Facebook. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free-thinking rodeos. Wow. We'll We'll see you tomorrow.
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.